Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. William Abagnale am known as the world's greatest imposter, and no wonder. In the course of my nefarious career, I've palmed myself off as a doctor, lawyer, college instructor, stockbroker, and airline pilot. To become an airline pilot, I merely bought a plastic ID card for $5, affixed an airline logo from a model plane hobby kit, and in no time at all, was co-pilot for a major airline. As a bogus lawyer, I actually worked on a state attorney general's staff. For six years, I also cashed over $2,500,000 in bad checks in 26 countries. Ultimately, I was sentenced to 72 years in prison. I served one year in France, one year in Sweden. I then served four years in a federal prison in this country. Paroled, I now devote my life to the prevention and detection of crime. Signed, Frank William Abagnale. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. We are your hosts. I am Donnie. I am Chris. I'm Bill. What's going on, guys? Bill, how'd your show go yesterday, man? That went pretty good, man. Did you get to see it, Donnie? No, I didn't get to see yeah, it. I, we didn't stay that long. No. Yeah, we had a good reception, and uh, I think there's a lot of good stuff. I talked to the owner, Michael Fauche, again. Yeah, I got to meet Michael yeah, Fauche. Yeah, Chris could have he showed up. But I, anyways, I heard it was really good, though. <clears throat> yeah. Well, anytime I'm there, it's always good. Oh, yeah. But anyways, he got – well, like I say from the interview, if you, if you former uh, listeners had heard, he's playing a big um, music festival. And maybe up to like ten bands, and I think it's going to be good. He's got a lot of good things going on for Cleveland County and the Shelby area, and uh, but yeah, we can talk about it some other day. More than that, oh yeah, there'll be more more episodes on that for sure. So I have an idea. Um, I think every every cult following has uh, a name for their followers. And I think rather than just calling our listeners listeners, we should call them crackheads. Oh, oh yeah, that's brilliant, Chris. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's, well, yeah. it just came off the top of your head right there. Huh? Yeah, exactly, guys. You know, I'm, I'm in this all the way. You know, I, I, just, I feel like it's a cool. You could take some people are like, oh, we refer to as a crackhead, but you take any negative, um, word and turn it to a positive. You know, any it, negative word. Yeah. I don't think so. Na- name one we couldn't. That's, that's a, I'm not doing that. Uh, one I'm right not either. going there either. <laughs> Come on. No, 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 no. Let's let's get on with this this week's topic. You're trying to con me, Chris, and I'm not going to fall no. into your con. <laughs> Speaking of cons, yeah. has any of you ever been conned or have you ever conned anyone? <laughs> I'm on this podcast right now because I got conned. We got you conned in, that's, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Chris, you ever been conned or conned anyone? He's married. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I better cut that out. 
Nah, nope. gonna highlight real. Yeah, this will be on my last episode, everybody. It's been a pleasure. Chris will die after this episode. That's for, he'll go missing. That's for sure. Yeah, she probably won't listen to it anyways. <laughs> She's not like all our other loyal listeners. Well, <laughs> no, nah, she listens to it. Our loyal crackheads. Yeah. What yeah. about any of you ever had a, a stroke of luck happen to you or anything like that? I find a dollar. Oh no, yeah. Yep. Just a just random luck. I find no, a dollar yeah. now and again. Yeah. Park a lot or something like that. Well, I got a, a short story that happened to me when I was at East Carolina. I was poor. I mean, I had no money at all. Going to school, living on oatmeal, and I had some textbooks that I had. I was going to sell back to the school store to get some money just to, just to eat on. And I took them in there to the store and had like three books. And the woman said, yeah, I'll, I'll give you 40 bucks for these three books. And I was like, God, that's like a million bucks. And she gave me the money and the receipt, but when she handed me the money, I knew that it felt more than $40. And I just took the money and walked out. But she doubled that money. It was $80 that she gave me. Dang. I don't know. It wasn't a con or anything like that. It was just a stroke of luck. And I, that was like a million dollars to me. I knew I was going to eat good. So you didn't take it back? No. What year see, was this? See, I, I don't care <clears throat> if I was really needing 80 bucks. I would have took the 40 back just because that's the way I am. Because I always think that if I pay it back, I'll get paid back. Maybe not that day, but some down there. Well, I looked at it this way. I was paying East Carolina a lot of money to go there. Yeah. And stick to I, the man, Donnie. Oh, yeah. And I was poor. I mean, I was poor, guys. I was eating oatmeal every meal. I kid you not. Was you there when Vince McMahon was there? I was there from. Not that old. I was there from ni- 1990 to 1995. Yeah, he was already out. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I asked what year, and it just, I, didn't, I didn't know what year it was. I mean, the value of the dollar was different, too, then. Yeah. It went a lot further than it does now. Yeah, not a lot. I mean, gas. Yeah, yeah, 80 bucks. That's been a lot in 1990. Oh, I mean, I ate good for a while. I mean, 90 to 95. 1990 to 1995. When did you graduate high school? 84. Late bloomer, huh? Yeah, pretty right. much, yeah. What did you do between all that time? What did you do for five, well, six years? <laughs> I graduated high school, went to college for one semester at Western, and didn't do that very well. And I come home and... Worked and got married and and then went to East Carolina. Yeah, Dang. speaking of late bloomer, um, was I the only one to get armpit hair really until I was like eighteen? Anyway, yeah, let's okay. go on. All right, <laughs> all right. Any of you guys ever heard of Frank Abagnale? I had heard of him, but I didn't know the name till I mean I knew there's a movie out by him. I watched the movie today just so I could woodshed for this show. Have some information on him. I mean, this guy. He looks like Roy Williams. Yeah, I guess he does. Yes, he does. I know one thing. I listened to that podcast that Chris sent me, and I listened to about 30 minutes of where he more or less told his life story and then watched the movie, and I'm like, then I couldn't watch the movie because it's nothing like his life story. No, the movie. I mean, even, the main theme maybe, but. Even he he said that. They didn't even ask him about it. No, but they just did it. Yeah, but it's not. They're totally. There's some highlights, you know, sort of, but they're totally. But, it, but it's Hollywood. And and I think it was Steven Spielberg. In his defense, you have to make it where it's appealing for people to want to watch it. Mm. 
Let, let's let Donnie, and we'll get into that because I, I got some. I mean, even on that. his his story is appealing, and I mean, yeah, give us a background. All right, so what you want to go for? Yeah, I'm gonna go yeah, for do that, and then we'll just all right machete it. All right, go. I'm gonna give you a little background here. Give it to us. His name is Frank William Abagnale Jr. He was born April 27th, 1948. <clears throat> now that year, 1948, is gonna come into play here in just a little while. Right today, I mean, he lives a legitimate life. I mean, he's an American security consultant, but he's a former con man, check forger, and imposter. And he started all this between the ages of 15 and 21. He was working for his dad. His dad owned a stationery shop in New York, and he made deliveries for his dad different places. And for the younger listeners, what's a stationery shop? It is... We go buy stationery, notepads. Yeah. Uh, yeah, paper, pencils. We didn't text everybody, so it was especially ink. back then. Ink. You had to write letters. Yeah. So it's, kind of, so it's kind of like a post office. Yeah, well, yeah they would spring, no, Postal supplies would be closer to what you're trying to get at. But yeah, yeah, they probably had envelopes and things like that. I don't think they got into like the a post- UPS store without the shipping. Yeah, I think it was just stationary. Okay. Where you buy cards and notepads. And That's just an old term. I, you don't, yeah. hear you don't know you don't say stationary? Hell no. Who says that? Oh, well. That's, uh, Language. It was, stationary. Oh, gosh. The dreadful four-letter word, hell. Um, do, you say, do you use that word stationary? I mean, uh, yeah. If I, was, if I was looking for it, I'd ask somebody, where's the stationary department at? Yeah. I've never heard that. But then again, I am... The yeah, one there's here. probably a lot of things you ain't really done. That's right. true. I ain't ever going to do them either. What it was, his first victim, you know, he started out being a con man. His first, who, does anybody know his, who his first victim was? Uh, uh, let's see. The first victim would have been... Oh, the train. Well, no, no, his first job. No, his first job. because No, it was the second job because he got a job as a 16-year-old. And then he said, I could make, they wouldn't give me money because I was 16. So if I said I was older, they would tend to pay me more money. Okay, but it still job. wasn't a lot. I mean, his but first was, job on his own. His, his first victim was his dad when he was working for him at his stationery shop. Oh, he, they didn't go in that in the well, podcast, Chris. He, Thanks, uh, Chris. He was working for his dad and he had his driver's license, but his dad gave him a, a company credit card oh, yeah. to use to buy gas. But he would, what he would do, he would go to gas stations that sold the gas, but he would buy tires and batteries from them on that credit card, then turn around and sell it back to them and get the cash for it. So he he racked up doing that. He racked up about $3,500, which then, you know, we say $3,500, but today's numbers, that's almost $30,000, between twenty-seven and $30,000. Chunk of change. That's a good chunk of change. And that time he was only sixteen at the time. See, I thought so. the first thing he ever forged was uh, whenever he uh, forged his driver's license to make him ten, yeah. himself ten years older. Yeah, what he was doing, he was trying to get other work, and he you know, he would go into places you know they were hiring, and they would tell him how old he was. He would tell him how old he was, and you know sixteen, tenth grade in high school, and say, well we'll tell you you know we'll pay you this, but you know it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough money. So what he done. He changed, forged the his driver's license. Back then, driver's license didn't have a photograph. Yeah, but that was after. I, I think it's more interesting he, well, how he became to go looking for the jobs. Maybe you didn't hear the same podcast I did. Nah. Well, see, whenever he, 
whenever he left working for his dad, whenever he he left after his parents got separated, which we'll talk about later, um, he he went to find a job doing the same thing he did when he worked with his dad. Right. And I was making deliveries. That's when he, he did made, the driver's license. Yeah. But and, not his first job. It, it was later. Yeah. It was yeah. it was the next job he found after he left. So whenever he was looking for work, he realized that if he was going to get any kind of good job or get any good kind of pay, he's going to have to be older than he was. Yeah. So he took his driver's license and he, he marked off. Go ahead. He marked off his number of his birth year from 1948 to 1938, which made him 26. Right. Yeah. So that way he could look more experienced. And he looked older because he said he was six foot at sixteen years old. Mm-hmm. So he could he could play the part. We had a little gray in his hair too. He said he said that uh, when they would dress up once a week for the mass or whatever, said that people thought he was a teacher instead of a student. Yeah, right, he well, just looked older. Let's get back to why he had to find other jobs. What it was, his parents got a divorce, and they didn't tell him that they were divorcing. They came and got him at school one day, and took him down to the courthouse. And he ha- still had no idea why he was there. He even saw family court on the the building, sign on the building, and still didn't know. And he went in there and went into the courtroom. It was a big courtroom. He saw the judge up front and saw his parents there, but he couldn't hear what they were saying. So he brought him down front, and the judge told him, said, uh, your parents are getting divorced, and you need to decide right now which one you want to live with. <laughs> And that just blew his mind. It tore him up. He's, he said uh, he was crying. He was all upset. And uh, I, I couldn't imagine being in that situation. And I don't think they do that this, today's day. I doubt it. Do they? Well, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I'm, well. Maybe not 16. Uh, things are a little bit they a little bit different now, the way they do things. But I don't know. I mean, that's that's got to be hard on the kid, you know. Well, <clears throat> I mean, yeah. divorce is hard enough. But, you know, the, he, he had no idea this was going to happen. Well, he said it was because he was 16. He was technically of age and had a driver's license, so they gave him the choice. If it had been the other way around, if he had been younger, that's only, <clears throat> that's where it got weird for me in the movie because the movie, they don't talk about his brothers and sister. Right. They just talk about him and the and the mom and dad. And then, and I, underst- I understand cutting stuff like that out because it doesn't really bother the story any. And uh, But the... Uh, yeah, he said he left. I'll tell you something, though, I did not understand until I, I, I listened to about 20 minutes of the podcast, then I went and watched the movie, and then I come back. Well, see, in the first part of the podcast, he said that's the last time he saw his dad, and he never saw his mom until seven years later. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that he really disliked his dad so much, that's why he never saw him again. Then I find out through the movie that his dad fell and had an accident, broke his neck, and it killed him. So while he was gallivanting around, his dad died. So that's why he didn't ever see him again. Mm-hmm. So that sort of made me change my thought about it after that. But go ahead. Yeah, I think that he said in, uh, that Steven Spielberg wanted to put Christopher Walken in the movie as his dad. And I guess that's the reason why he didn't just leave him his dad out of the role. I guess he's just trying to give Christopher Walken a role. So he's like, here, we'll just mm, put him I think dad. he eh, – I didn't take that from it. But I think he thought he'd be a good father – Figure well, yeah, to do the part. It's Christopher Walken, you know, yeah. more cowbell. You know? Oh, oh. <laughs> I tell you something that was real weird. I got a fever. This is a sidebar, and maybe something in a future episode. But when they gave him the Rotary uh, Lifetime or the Achievement Award or whatever yeah. it was in the thing, he said, um, "Correct me if I'm wrong," but he said, "And uh, our esteemed so and so Robert Wagner, you know, Robert Wagner 
Wasn't Natalie he? Wood. And Natalie Wood. The only other person on that boat was Christopher Walken. Oh, yeah. When she I just disappeared. Thought that, yeah, when she drowned. I thought that was weird. I was like, what? That guy? Wait a minute, man. Why? why? The guy was never in the movie anywhere else. Uh-uh. Never. He said, I'd like to thank my whatever. I can't remember the part he played. But he said, Robert Wagner. And then he went on. And I was like, hey, man, is that an Easter egg? Or is that like a... <laughs> And, and I think we've been to, we, I don't know if we talked about this before, but how would you know if Christopher Walken's lying? You know, he's a trained actor. Oh, yeah. So if you're, you're, you know, there's only three people, well, two people left on the boat, one of them drowned. So there's only two after that. But, anyways, how would you know if Christopher Walken's telling you the truth? You know, you don't. Anyways, let's get back on this topic. Okay. All right. Okay. We were talking about him being there in the courtroom. And yeah. talking about the the judge said he'd had to decide where whether he was going to live with his mother or father. Well, he left the courtroom crying, and he never looked back. He left. He was gone. Yeah, judge gave a ten minute recess for the, a lot of the parents to go after him, and by the time the parents went outside, he was already gone. He went back to his home and grabbed up just a few things that he needed, and he hit the road. Checkbook, being one of them. Yeah, it's checkbook, and he had he did have a checkbook and a checking account that his father had created for him. And there was a little bit of money in there. I don't think it was a lot. Well, yeah, the movie, I think said $25. I don't know if that was, but he said, yeah, he said that he had, he had some money in it because he did like summer jobs and stuff like that. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. But anyway, was getting back to where, you know, he was looking for jobs and he would, uh, go into places and tell them he was 16. Well, you know, they'd only let him work a few hours a week with barely minimum wage. And that wasn't enough money to, to live off of. So, like Chris said, he uh, changed his driver's license from 1948 to 1938, which made him 26 years old. And he would go in and apply for jobs. And, you know, say, oh, you're 26. Well, we can you can give you more hours and, and better pay. Well, it's probably a, a status of. Oh, yeah, it was. I mean, you know. Adult I'm, to kid. Yeah, yeah, we're not going to pay a 16-year-old kid as much as we pay a 26, that 26-year-old guy. He might have a family. Yeah. And plus, you know, if he's going to doing the same doing the same work he had been doing, he could say he'd been doing it for over, you know, ten years rather than just saying I've been nah, doing it for two or three. About that. So I mean it's it's all about experience too. That's still for today. If you have experience in anything, you get more money than somebody's. Yeah, I didn't before. think about that, but that is true. But anyway, he was you know, work, working these different jobs. He got to where he was uh, you know, writing checks but they would bounce. He knew the cops and stuff were after him, and he had to figure out some way to get away, to do something different so he wouldn't get caught. And there in New York, and he was out in front of the Commodore Hotel when he saw a flight crew from Eastern Airlines come out of the hotel, putting their baggage on the curb. And he was saying, if I could get a uniform, a uniform, uniform, then I wouldn't have any trouble getting a job or cashing checks or doing anything I need to do. So what he done, he called up, he called the Pan Am yeah, purchasing. Lost. Okay, so so he, he called he, purchasing to say he, say he had lost his uniform and could they right. send him another one because yeah, he, he had, he made, flight yeah. and he has another one leaving out in four hours. And he sent his out to be clean and they lost it. The yeah, he said he left it. his other one in San Francisco. Yeah. That's where he was based out of. And then, you know, them trying to ask him if he had another one, he said, well, I ain't going to be able to get it before my next flight leaves out. And uh, really, what, okay, so the reason why he chose Pan Am is because Pan Am was a, 
the most probably well known. Let him fly all over the world. Yeah, and then go all over. And he just saw us his way out because you got to think he's sixteen. He starts bouncing these checks. They're going to start coming after him. So he has to find another way to get money. He has to find a way to get around, and he has to find a way to get another job. So mm-hmm. um, that, that's that's what made him want to you know try to do the uh, the pilot gig. So they told him where to go to get a new uniform, and he went down there, and they fitted him for a new uniform, and told him it was going to be I think it was what two hundred eighty bucks. Yeah, yeah, it was two hundred eighty dollars. And uh, he said, okay, well, I'll write you a check. And he said, no, we, don't, we can't take a check. He said, well, I'll give you cash. He said, no, nah, I can't take cash. He was like, well, what am I going to do? And so he, they told him, he said, uh, if you fill out this computer card, then it'll just uh, bill Pan Am and it'll come out of your next paycheck. And he's like, oh, man, this is great. That's even better. Yeah. So he got his, his uniform, but uniform wasn't any good without that ID. He had to have some kind of Pan Am ID to be able to what he needed to and do. And security wasn't as tight as it is now either. So, I mean, I don't even think there was pictures on it. I think it was just, they just had no. the name. And it had they had, the, a, had a picture yeah, on it. Put, they had their photograph on their ID. Yeah. Well, I know it had the, the, the emblem. And well, that would come in later. Yeah, but they had, because he went to the people that made the equipment. He caught, he, what he done, <clears throat> he got to looking up in the phone book or the yellow pages. You know what yellow pages are, don't you, Chris? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. They were still around when I was a kid. Okay. He was looking up in the yellow page for identifications, and he uh, they just called a couple of random ones, and they found one that told him who made the, the the badges for Pan Am, and it was Polaroid, I think, yeah. three, which is 3M now. And he went down there and told him he needed to. He was with a company looking to upgrade their their badge system. And they liked Pan Am's format, and. They showed him what they had, and they brought out a, a photograph of a badge, like on a, a glossy. He wanted a sample tape. Yeah, a sample. And they just brought out a glossy 8x10 or 5x7 size. He said, no, nah, I want to take something real back to my company to show them what we have. And he saw the equipment there. He said, what's all this equipment for? He said, that's how we make the labels. That's what you got to have to make your, your badges with. He said, well, show me how it works and use me as a subject. So they took his photograph, put it in the real laminated plastic badge and he went out with that but the only thing is it didn't have any pan am information or nothing it just had his picture inside of an id card so on the way back he had passed the hobby shop and he saw well he went in there and asked the guy if he had any models of pan am airplanes and stuff and they uh, said yeah they showed him where they were so he got a pan am model and took it back and he just threw away the i think the plastic pieces and yeah. got the stickers the, the little decals mm-hmm. out of the bottom it's kind of i think you you soak in water that you can put on models so he, he done that and put it on the the badge yeah the badge and it is almost like it fit perfect wasn't it yeah and i i think that's where the movie they manufactured something that i mean it's the same thing but he had it showed him that he had bought like 30 or 40 airplanes and we didn't really show him it showed him making a badge but he would water sl- he would he would take the decal off of the tail of the airplane to make the checks he forged. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I, I, to me, I think getting a model and taking the water slide decals out and making that would have been a better. I don't know. I, I think they should have been truer to the story as far as the movie on that because he had like a whole bathtub full of like thirty airplanes. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they, 
it probably no. didn't want to make it seem like it was easy for him, and I don't know that maybe it was. I mean, if you ever tried to peel a sticker off anything. You don't peel work. a sticker off. It's, that's why it's called a water slide. Water slide. You soak you, them in water, and it just slides off. Yeah. You just. Okay. Yeah. See, water slide has a whole different meaning in my head. You, you, yeah. Well, you never use water slide stickers? He's never made a model. No. You never no, built a model in your life. All them models in there and my display <clears> case <throat> in there. Have they, I ever built a model? No. Built a rocket and launched it while I was a yeah, kid. Not the same thing. You expect them to blow up. <laughs> yeah. Water, water slide decals. Yeah, pretty awesome. But anyway. Yeah, old ass technology. But yeah, I don't think he even used those. Uh, Still doing it. Water slide decals for anything else but the badge. And it showed him yeah. using them for the checks. Yeah, they did that. And I, I don't. And the way he told in his real life, he didn't. He cashed personal checks. Yeah. He didn't. But in that, it was showing him making making payroll yeah. checks to cash them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I just, I don't think he said anything about actually payroll checks. Well, yeah, he, he, yeah, because he used those on the checks as well, and yeah. then he would go to he can go anywhere. He can go to even other airlines and get those. Well, that was personal cash. checks too, though. Yeah, he's probably doing both. Yeah. But you got to think, he couldn't use a lot of personal checks because then they would be able to link him and uh, find him easier. But he's going underneath a, a different name by now. Uh, what did he say it was? Eddie well, I'm not Black saying he made his like old his old checks. I'm saying, to me, I think even at that time, it would have probably been easier to forge a personal check than a payroll check. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Right. Yeah, he would go, in, he would go into saying. banks and cash uh, personal checks. And just because he had that uniform on, they didn't question him at all. I mean, it was just like right. that, was, that was gold to him. Yeah, I mean, he might as well have been a – well, never mind. And, and, and they would even – you know, he said he was in town and he needed some cash. They would even, you know, say, well, just make it out for a few hundred more if you need you know, while you're in town. They would, I mean, they would just practically hand him money and his, putting it in his hand. Yeah, I mean, he flies a plane. I mean, well, how much more credible can it be than you find a find a big ass aircraft with all these people on there? So. The thing about it, he never f- uh, flew on Pan Am. He was right. a yeah, Pan Am imposter, yeah. but never flew Pan Am. Yeah, it's crazy. He flew every other airline but them. Because I mean, I'm not. I mean, the man told his own story. It's his story, but I, I just uh, getting back to the payroll check. Why would you be across country with your payroll check and not cash it? Exactly. You would cash your payroll check. At your home, where you pick it up at. You either pick it up and put it in a bank. You wouldn't pick it up and then carry it halfway across the country and get it cashed. I wouldn't think. Well, I mean, he he's just a kid. He probably didn't think logically. You right. Know, he was but just, what I'm saying is, okay, so he's forged a... Company a, check. Right. Yeah. What I'm saying is, that that's easier to track and stop than a personal check would be. Because now, once Pan Am gets two or three checks... They tell people watch out for Pan Am checks, but if it's a personal check, he could make a bunch of those and forge the name easier. See what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And while he was doing that, he was, uh, you know, those little kiosk that's inside the bank, so they got you know just sample or not sample, but uh, generic deposit slips and stuff. Right. He would take stacks of those back with him to his apartment and put routing numbers on them and just go back and lay them in there, and people would fill those things out and the money would go to his account oh nice yeah i didn't hear any of that yeah he would uh they would he would get money deposited by just people coming in and making deposits that go into his account freaking kid man and then he would go get that money out and that money was gone jeez but anyway getting back to the 
the to the ID badge and, and everything. He would he went to uh, down to uh, LaGuardia Airport. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Yeah, but uh, he was sitting in there hanging out, just trying to figure out how to get on a plane. And that was the closest one to where he was living at. Yeah, that's right. Because Kennedy Airport was, I think, fifty miles away or fifty yeah. miles away further from where he was at. So he went in there, just hanging out, trying to figure out how to get on the plane, and uh, sitting there at the the diner one day, and some pilots came up to him, you know, and he was eating and talking pilot stuff, and uh, said, uh, "What are you doing out here? Pan Am doesn't—they don't fly out of LaGuardia," and he just—he knew right then, you know, he was. He had to. He had to change. He had to. He had to learn up real quick. Yeah, and he had to learn the lingo too. Oh yeah. I mean, he 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 mentioned that um, they have a certain way of talking. Like they they don't call it, you know, you know what plane you in today. They they I think they say you know what's your equipment, yeah. what equipment you're using. Yeah, what equipment you own. That's yeah. what they say. So it's I mean, your he, unit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he goes in there and talks and talk talks and talking like somebody talks know what they're talking, they're gonna figure him out. And I mean. I mean, he said he told him he said uh, somebody saw the name on the engine one time, so he said General Electric. He said, "What are you riding that uh, washing machine?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, like I keep saying, he was a kid. I mean, this this guy's daring and he was fearless. So all these mistakes he was making, he was making because fearless Frank. He didn't know what he was doing. He didn't plan this out. This is something he was just doing off, you know. Just he was living by his. What's the expression? Wits. That's what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, living by his wits. So, I mean, it may sound silly to us, you know, he's doing this kind of stuff, but he's just trying to make it. I mean, he's running away from a life back home, trying to make a new one for himself. And, God, I can only imagine not having any money or kind of income. I mean, I don't think I'd go to the extreme. He did. I mean, he, he lived, uh, said he was a co-pilot, and he had never, ever flown before, never flew a plane. He even stated that he couldn't even fly a kite. <laughs> but, I mean... And he would be in the cockpit, you know, when he would he would deadhead somewhere, which we won't get into. But um, they would even let him sit there and fly the plane. Uh-huh. Yeah, but he would um, he knew enough to put it on autopilot just to be able to say that he'd done something that showed that he was some kind of pilot. Yeah, he would just go in other other companies' planes and act like he just needs to ride to a different city so that way he can fly, you know, a Pan Am flight back. Ain't that what it was? No, he never did get on pl- Pan yeah. Am. Uh, yeah. That was an excuse, though. Well, yeah, that's his excuse. Yeah, that's, 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 so when you say he gets on a plane he and he would, they would let him fly, he was flying other people's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other airlines. Other airlines. Yeah. But when he was deadheading to these other countries and stuff, he would go into banks there and uh, set up accounts, and he would have, have a safety deposit box and, and have money stored in countries all over the world. I saw an interview one time where that's what he would do. So if he would ever go back, he knew he had money there. The uh, thing I thought was cool was he's talking about said that every cashier at the different airlines, he would go down through there cashing checks, and then shift change he'd come back he'd come cash back. again. Oh yeah. yeah, and he had to have some. He had definitely had to have some wit because he he can he can get anybody to cash anything. That's why I'm saying it leans more toward personal checks because. You know, that's a lot of. I mean, I'm not saying he didn't eventually get into like cashier type or those type checks, but in the beginning, it had to be mainly personal checks. Personal checks, checks yeah. That's oh, what I'm thinking. Yeah, until he, he got comfortable with what he was going to do as far as making making the pen and checks and everything, because you know, 
like I said, he probably didn't want to use the personal checks too much. And I don't know if if he ever uh, thought about changing. You hear birds in the background. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think it was his personal check. I think he forged personal checks more. I would think he forged personal checks more than he forged payroll checks. You know what I mean? That's why you. That's why you. What? <laughs> Uh, we got birds coming yeah. outside. Uh, that's why, uh, yeah, man, we got some good equipment here. <laughs> Give me a yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's why you don't forge. Special guest today, guys. That's why people don't forge hundred dollar bills. They forge twenties and tens because they're not sus- suspect. You oh, know? Yeah. Right. It's all about the trail, and I think <clears throat> if he's as smart as he was, that's only. I mean, we could probably look it up and make sure, but I would think you wouldn't. You would forge regular checks more than you would payroll checks yeah yeah fair enough yeah i would agree i mean you know yeah, he'd go into a, a town somewhere and you know go into the airport there a bank and you know i'm a pilot i'm in town i need cash and, and yeah so this oh. guy i know <clears throat> he said he said man <laughs> this might be a long story we'll cut it out if you want to but <laughs> it's sort of a long thing so he 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 drove just an old f-150 say like 89 f-150 by like truck we have and um same color and he goes man i've always thought about you know you see one of these uh uh armored cars you know coming down the road man you could just like swerve at them make them run off the road and then flip over and then you take all that cash and you get all that cash and then and i got the plan because you got to launder the money i'm like well, all right tell me genius what's your big plan and he goes what you do is you go from here to atlanta to all these little convenience stores and you break a hundred dollar bills. That way they can't find you. They won't know. They won't know to look for something like that. So I said, "Really? That's your big plan?" He goes, "Yeah." I said, "All right." This part I love because I always love crushing this guy's dreams. I said, "Here's genius. Here's the, here's the first problem. Let's assuming that that two thousand pound truck could get a five thousand pound armored car to run off the road. Let's assuming that those people survived." They're armed guards. What do you think they're going to let you in that truck? Let's assume that you get the money. You, whatever, you don't kill them, you get the money, da, da, da. I said, now you're going to go from here to Atlanta breaking $100 bills at convenience stores. Yeah, man, what's wrong with that idea? I said, well, first of all, you left the trail. You went from here to Atlanta. Second of all, have you ever seen a convenience store that will break a $100 bill? They always say nothing over 20. I said, you're an idiot, man. You're never going to win that. He, he, he sounds he like an interesting fellow. When do you bring him on the show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see what other uh, plots he has. I'd like to get his inside in life. Sidebar over. <laughs> okay. Anyway, getting back to Frank Abagnale. He uh, posed as a teaching assistant one time at Brigham Young University. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was his high school in this one. But go ahead. Yeah, in the movie. I, yeah, they done that in the movie. Yeah, yeah. High school. That's where he said, I'm Frank Abagnale. Not Abagnale. <laughs> Abagnale. And then uh, that was just for one semester at Brigham Young. And then uh, he posed as a physician. And uh, what it was, the apartment he was staying in, the chief resident at the hospital there just happened to be staying there at his apartment. And Frank told him he was a doctor. But he made up that he was a, a pediatrician. Well, it just so happened that guy there was the head of pediatrics. So he uh, offered Frank a job 
as some kind of lead doctor there. And so he never did have to really do anything much. He just was over a bunch of doctors. And he said in the in the show, in that podcast, that he, he chose pediatrics for a specific reason. I think he said because there'd be no... No, he, he, he said he said he chose pediatrics for. Uh, oh, they were no, uh, they were all single people or young or something. They didn't have kids, right? Yeah. So they wouldn't like have to go see him. Yeah, he wouldn't actually have to do anything. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I mean, every decision he made, he made, he thought about it before beforehand because he didn't. Last thing he wanted to do is get figured out, of mm-hmm. course. So why not? You know, if there ain't no children to be seen. Hey, I, damn. Do you concur? Yeah. I yeah. Well, he also played off in that podcast about how I wasn't necessarily brilliant or da da da. I'm like, you got to be on the ball, though, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's being humble. Think like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're humble. being humble, man. Because that's I could. Yeah, you got to be. <laughs> Damn, I didn't even know where Faustin was until I don't know, 25. <laughs> Damn, he didn't know where Alaska was either. <laughs> yeah. All right. That what was, kind of curriculum they teaching you over there? That was damn. That was cheap. That was a cheap shot. <laughs> we're going to take you tee it up. We're going to knock it out of the park. Oh, yeah. 300 yards. Anyway, he got out of being a doctor because I think under his care, a baby almost died. I don't think it did die, but it almost did. So it sort of scared him a little bit. So he got out of that. Then he, uh, he decided to be a lawyer. So he faked a Harvard transcript and took the Louisiana bar, which uh, – I guess down there you call it the bar. The bar. <laughs> the bar. And no, in wait, Boston. That'd man. be Boston, definitely. It'd be the bar. Yeah. The bar. The bar, yeah. Took the bar. Take it or go to it, doesn't matter. But he, he failed it twice. But what uh-huh. they did, they sent him his exam back with the incorrect answers. So he sort of figured out ones he'd missed and studied a little bit more. He took it again, failed it a second time. They sent him his exam back again with the incorrect answers. The third time was a charm. He passed the bar the third time. And in the state of Louisiana, if you can pass the bar, you're an attorney. So he ended up being a lawyer, attorney, actually serving on the Louisiana State Attorney General's office at the age of 19. Pretty freaking cold. Yeah. Yeah, do all that school? No, I mean, and he made like well, being he made good money, legitimately, but it wasn't really him. You know, it was he was illegal license and no no schooling or anything like if that. He, if if somebody could do a job perfectly without all the schooling, you think they should be able to do it as long as they can pass the bar? No, because he didn't. Oh, he did, he knows how. He, he knows how he to just, con he, people. He, he he just conned a test. He didn't know anything. No, no, no I'm saying. Hypothetically, if somebody knows how to do a job perfectly, do you think they should have to go to the schooling to do it? Say, if they don't know how to, if what? they know how to do a job perfectly, should they always have to go to the school to do it? Well, not in every case, but being a lawyer and a doctor, yeah. <laughs> Why? Because law, you can you can go get books from the library and learn law. Let's say let's say you had a brain tumor. Would you want Jethro Bodine working on you? No. Yeah. That's what wasn't that what Jethro wanted to be? Yeah, brain surgeon. Okay, but but lawyers and I ain't talking about doctors. Damn, I don't want. Uh, okay, even a lawyer, gonna, you're going to make yourself. You're in. I don't care how good you are and how good you argue. You're going to end up making a fool out of yourself. It don't usually work out good for you, no. But yeah, well, 
Just because somebody is good at part of it doesn't mean they're good at all of it. Well, you got people posing as mechanics all the time, don't really know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, that's a different story, man. And that's still the same thing. I don't want somebody that, you know. But you can't tell a difference. Well, you can. If you can, talk like a, if you can talk like a mechanic, yeah. if you know some car terms, you, get, yeah. you may believe you know what the heck you're doing. Yeah, it ain't that simple. There's a lot of, you know, you don't fix brakes right, somebody dies, you're going to go to jail. It don't happen often because people are trained. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know people don't do the job. Not everybody. There's people who go to school and don't know how to do the job right. This is true. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I agree. But, There's people that go to four-year school and they get all that and they still can't do a good job. But I would want somebody that's not the point. representing me in court or doctoring on me that has the schooling. Yeah, that, but that, – that, Went through the education part. He passed the bar. So I'm saying if he's a great lawyer and he passed the bar. Then everybody said he was a great lawyer. It said he passed the bar. I'm saying if he's, I'm still talking hypothetically. If he was a great lawyer. Yes and nuts were whatever it is. But they sent him back to test with (laughs) yes and butts were. (laughs) They sent him back to test with the, with the incorrect answers too. So, you know, he, he used that to his advantage, Mm -hmm. but you're assuming that he's a good lawyer. I'm saying if he was a good well, lawyer. I'm not assuming anything. I'm saying if he was a good lawyer. He was a good lawyer, but a great con man. But then you, you said if he was a great lawyer because he passed the bar. Well, he didn't pass the bar. He cheated the bar. He took enough tests. They sent him enough wrong answers back that he got them right the next time. That's just somebody that knows how to take a test good. Work the system. Working the system. That's it. I understand your argument. But we all work the system. My, I understand your argument. You're not making an argument, though. You're You're... We're, we're, but we all work the system, and I'm not. I'm Look, not saying I, talk about him. A, a different a different analogy would be, is somebody that goes up through a company and becomes a supervisor, but then somebody comes in from out of this company that's went to school, and they make ten thousand more dollars than that guy. But that guy knows how to run every job, and he's become the supervisor. That's where your argument would be good at. He went to school, and he's making more money than this guy who's worked at this job for 20 years and made supervisor. Which one you want? Well, there's a lot of different things. Maybe this guy doesn't have interpersonal skills, and this guy does because he went to school. But, yeah, that's a better argument than what you're talking about. Being a lawyer or a doctor, that's not a good argument. Well, I don't think lawyers as important as a doctor. Not everybody uh, needs lawyers. Uh, Doctors are more important than lawyers. Yeah, it, it was hypothetical for the beginning. That, now you've changed it to which is more important. That's not what we're discussing. Well, I, I was never saying that he was a good lawyer. I was saying hypothetically, people can not be go to school for something and still be better at it than people who go to school for it. Right. You don't need school to be good at something. You're right. But thank you. In his biography, it also stated that I win. Uh, <laughs> that uh, even though he was a licensed attorney in the state of Louisiana, he was more of a gopher than anything. He would go. You know, he would go get coffee, textbooks, documents that they needed. You know, he wasn't really going to court representing anybody. Yeah, because he didn't want to do the job. He just wanted to get a paycheck probably so that way he can just get money from their payroll. He oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. checks, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he never did these jobs because he wanted to do them. He did them to get a way in to a new uh, way to make money. So. Yeah. And, yeah, that was yeah. pretty much it. All right. Let's get on to his first capture and imprisonment the first time he was captured was in 1969 when an air france attendant who he had previously dated recognized him and informed police 
So the French policeman arrested him. But also 12 countries also had uh, extradition charges on him. So he was wanted not just by U.S., but France and Sweden and several other countries. So he spent a year in a uh, France prison. And, he's, and he said that was the roughest year of his life. It was mostly bread and water, using the bathroom through a hole in the floor, uh, sleeping on a rug or a towel on the floor. It was very rough. Then he went to Sweden, done some time there. But shortly after that, the United States had him extradited back here. While Frank was in U.S. custody, he was in, where was he at? Frank. U.S. custody. Yeah, he was in custody, but he was in Atlanta, Georgia, at the Federal Detention Center. Oh, shit, I was way off. <laughs> <laughs> but while he was there, he convinced the guards that he was uh, a prison inspector that was <laughs> undercover. He did. Yeah, he actually, he's yeah. good. Oh, yeah, he's good. Mm. And what he done, he had a, a girl that he was dating at the time have a brought him a business card made up with his fake name on it and information about uh, who he was as far as a prison inspector. And they got that card to the cops, and he was able to escape. And they had that number on there, and they called that number. And uh, his girlfriend at the time answered like it was the prison inspectors. And uh, said, yeah, they're they're outside waiting to pick me up. So he, he got out. He escaped that way by, by pretending to be a, a prison inspector. But uh, as part of his parole, getting back to that, he had to actually help the FBI find fraud. Yeah, so um, he had, he had a, a cop that in America that was always chasing after him. It was This was in the movie. This is in real life. He looked just like Tom Hanks. He looked just he, like him. Damn. I mean, just like him. Um, but for the movie, they gave him a different name because the actual FBI agent didn't want his name to be used in the movie. I think his real name was Joe or Joseph Shea. Right. I think it was his name. Yeah. So, and, and pretty much, like I said, by the movie, that's the way it was. I mean, he was always on his tail all the way. But he did say that there were several FBI agents on him, tracking him at all right. times. And and in the movie, his name was what? Hanratty. Was it Carl Hanratty? Yeah. Which was actually, uh, Spielberg gave him that name. It was actually like a uh, NFL uh, pro. Uh, I don't remember what position he played, but he played for NFL. So that's that's how they got that name. And for for the filming, they actually had the FBI there. So anything that was put into the film, the FBI had, they knew everything. What, so they, so they the, FBI, the FBI was on. It was on set. They they want to make sure that everything that had to do with the FBI was accurate. So all the details from <laughs> the rest of the movie wasn't. <laughs> well, well, yeah, and I don't I don't really see why they want to make give every little detail because they want this to happen. I mean, they want to you know give like, like this is how you need to do this if you want to do the same thing he did. But um, that's, that's okay. That's side, no, I mean, sidebar I, I here. Agree, I agree. I just. I just think there's some things that the movie changes that really would have probably been better the other way. Well, I'm thinking sidebar. Watch, like, murder, you know, like, forensic files and stuff like that. If you watch that, it kind of teaches you how to be a good killer. So I can see why he would change some of the stuff or why they the FBI would want to be there because they wouldn't want to 
teach you how to become a good imposter. Yeah. So, I mean, because I mean, if they give like all the tricks and stuff away, then like I said, you just have a repeat or somebody like you have killers that try to beat other killers. They yeah, try to like be you better. said in that podcast, you can do it now way easier than he could then. Oh yeah, and he he more or less lays it out in a diagram on that. Yeah, uh, and he's still in the FBI. Whenever he got sentenced, he he did. I think he did four to five years here, um, and then the FBI recruited him to come work with them through a plea agreement, as long as he would work with them a certain amount of time and help them stop this from happening again. Mm-hmm. So he did that for right. a, for a while, and he still works for him to this day. I mean, he, he's went in front of Congress to try to make changes uh, for security purposes because he, he mentions that um, you think more technology would help security. But he says the, the more advanced technology gets, the worse it gets. He did start his own company, uh, Epic Neal and Associates. It's out, I think it's out of Oklahoma. But I did discover that uh, uh, he does live in South Carolina. Yeah, yeah Charleston. Charleston. Yeah. 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 He, he lives there. He's got two sons. Uh, wife he's had for – is it three sons? Okay. Three sons. And he's One's had, in the FBI. He's, he's had – yeah, yeah. He's had a wife now for 20 years. Um, I thought I said 40. It had to be more than 20 because the kids is all graduated think, college. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's yeah. like 40 years. 40 years. A wife of 40 years. Yeah. But he's worked for the FBI more than 50 years, hasn't he? Isn't that, isn't that correct? Yeah. I think he'd been like 16 or 8. Well, I said, well, go ahead. Yeah. Close to 50 years because I think he'll be, be 70. I think this year. One son and his wife run a, some kind of consultant firm, maybe. And then one son's in the FBI and the other son, I can't remember what he said, but one went to UNLV. One went to Oklahoma, one went to Kentucky. I think the one went to Kentucky might be in the FBI. Yeah, one's a lawyer, one's the FBI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. lawyer, FBI. Yeah. And can't remember what the other one was. I mean, it was a very, very good movie. Do you think it would have been just as good a movie if they had put more of the true facts in it? Well, the, the, I mean, there's never a, a movie where they do a biography well, about somebody and use all the details. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I know they. I know it's not. It, it says inspired by, like. Leaving out his brothers and sister, I, that that didn't bother it ain't me. Ain't gonna change the story. Yeah, I mean, well, it did as far as how he become, and it didn't really. Looking back on it, didn't. But like, I don't know. I'm nitpicking on some things now. Like the the girl that he supposedly her dad was a, the, district attorney or whatever, mm-hmm. and he was gonna marry. Her. I want to know was that real or not. I, he he hadn't said in his thing. And then, you know, and I, I doubt it was because the way they had him kind of set up at the uh, airport and all that stuff. I'm sure that stuff probably was made up. I think I saw an a interview with him one time that said that was actually true. Oh, that really? part was true. But the girl, you know, how she was portrayed in the movie as his real love interest, he said it was very short-lived. Yeah. There was so another, that's what I'm saying. There was another girl that I, I can't remember her name. but she, well, uh, he They used that to draw you in like, oh, he's really wanting to settle down and mm-hmm. everything so that's, that's what i'm saying I, was it really that way or so he was just but that part at the airport where he was meeting her and then he saw the car with the fbi agents and everything I, that was real that actually happened and mm-hmm. he left he, left. he didn't do it with all those like eight stewardess surrounding him no so he just left that he day. just left yeah that's what i'm saying yeah i figured all that part was made up yeah but there was another girl that he'd, he'd fell head, head over heels in love with but uh it didn't it didn't work out either yeah but it, everything, everything up to that point was a lie about his life. He, you know, he wasn't who he said he was. He was either Frank Black or, or Pixies. Yeah. Yep. Something different. 
Imagine just living in paranoia. Like he is probably living in. I mean, always concerned that somebody's going to figure him out. Always having to be somebody you're really not. Mm-hmm. Be called something. You're not even your name. I mean, I just, I can imagine living that way. But, I mean, I think even when he said he started working for FBI, he wasn't changed. He, he said that, you know, he, it wasn't like he felt redeemed or anything like that. He, like he was ready to, you know, change the way he was going to live. But, I mean, I guess at, at that point, he needed to make a better start for himself. And I think he wanted to um, get out of that way of living. So, I mean, he, he, he turned from bad to good. And it's really... He might did he did bad things then, but he really turned around. Now he's a, a family man. He's all about family values. Um, I don't really think he's told his kids about. No, he did because they talked about making a movie and who they didn't like and said. But I think he didn't want to. Yeah, for a long time. But yeah, he. I think. It, yeah, the way what I heard. Did you hear the things you what, sent me? Well, no, no. He, <laughs> did you listen to? He, the, he did, no. He, okay, so they made the movie, and until then, like none of the people right. around him knew who he was because right. he never told anybody. He didn't want to know. He didn't want nobody to know anything like that. But I don't think he's like, oh, I don't know who that guy is, kids. He just got the same name as I do. I don't think it's that situation. I well, did. I did see a show one time or a, a interview with him where he wouldn't have got the notoriety or the, the I don't know if you call it fame if it hadn't been for Johnny Carson, because uh, Johnny Carson got a hold of his story and had him on the Tonight Show one time, and. So was he actually on to tell the truth? He was on to tell the truth. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, Johnny Carson had him on there, and it was just supposed to be like a 10-minute segment. And he ended up staying. Johnny Carson was so intrigued by him, he had him on for the entire show. He even had the Pointer Sisters there that night perform. He canceled their act to keep Frank Abagnale on there. Somebody didn't hear Neutron Dance. That's it. Frank Abagnale. He, I mean, Johnny Carson, he was so intrigued by him, he actually had him back on the show two more times. Hmm. And then... Uh, People, uh, people were seeing him after the show and said, uh, where can we get a copy of your book at? He said, I don't have no book. I never read no book. So Johnny caught him uh, hooked up with his, his book, book man. I don't know if you call it a book man. His, Bookman. That was, he was a super on good time. <laughs> yeah. But he got, he got him uh, hooked up with his, his booker. Yeah, his booker. <laughs> That's what, what he called booker. What do you call a book person? Publisher? Book publisher, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can oh, think of it. I was in, I was in the. Booking, Dano. <laughs> I was thinking, I was still on Booker on, on Good Times. Good Times. Dino Mike. Yeah. You know, he hates doing that. JJ. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, he says, I'll wouldn't, never you, do it. wouldn't you hate doing that? Yeah. Depends on how much you pay me. So, fast forward <laughs> to these days, okay? Uh, Wait a minute. Sidebar. To tell the truth, it needs to be rebooted. That's a television show I'd watch. Oh, it did come back, did it? Oh yeah, briefly. Suck, dude. Yeah, briefly, <laughs> it did come back. Nothing comes. That back That was a killer show. Yeah, that was killer. Except for Dumb and Dumber. You get that? You ever seen To Tell the Truth? I don't think so. I uh, no. Never mind. I sent you the link to that segment, the beginning of it. I sent it both of y'all that. Did oh, you watch it? I didn't see that. No. I thought I sent that to y'all. I don't, I don't, I don't see know about that. Like that. No. I got the thing from him. That's it. Yeah, I sent you a link to that. I'll have to go back and look, but I did. I thought I sent y'all a link to that. Um, the opening segment to, t- to tell the truth. No, I didn't get anything. Mm. I'll mm. watch it if you sent it to me. Uh, but anyway, fast forward to today. I probably won't. We're um, Frank <laughs> Abagnale, he has wrote books. Um, he has a podcast. He's done an interview. And, and when we, me and Bill have been referencing this uh, podcast uh, that we listened to, uh, it was actually an interview from Google. Uh, they paid him to uh, talk about his life. He, uh, It was just him just talking about his life. I mean, it's just. It has a question and answer at the end. 
No, I'm sorry. That's as, all right. as a question answered, and it's really honestly, if you don't listen to it, just uh, just Google uh, Frank Abagnale uh, podcast. It's something. It's it's through Google, um, but if we don't, we might not have told the sto- his story the best way. And if you want to hear it straight from him, you can always go listen to that. And he has a. Uh, Podcast with uh, some other fella. I don't remember his name. I don't even remember the name of the podcast. I didn't do my homework on that. Really? But yeah. I do know some of the, most of the security measures, you know, taken today, like on currency and everything, he has been involved in that, you know, as far as the the money, you know, like the, the little metal strip and the the currency. Yeah, he's, like I said I mean, earlier. And watermarks. He's come up with all that stuff. He, he's made multiple trips to Congress to try to get them to change how, how things are going. And he's t- in that podcast, he was talking about, yeah, there's a new technology FBI uses that we'll be using shortly. And he says eventually passwords will be no more. Um, I don't I don't really want to tell it because I don't want to tell it wrong. Uh, if you're interested in that, you can always go to that uh, interview from Google. Um Google has their own interview thing. It's episode number one. Uh, but if you Google him, you'll find it. But um, he was just talking about how, like I said, passwords ain't going to be no more. And he said it's a good and bad thing because everything's going to get figured out. That's just the way technology is. Anytime you make technology, somebody's going to find a way to crack it. Uh, any kind of security crack. measures. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Crack. At the crack house. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's just successful. I mean, he went from being kid run away from home, uh, con man, con man to successful FBI. He's gonna retire from FBI. I mean, golly, how much better he is he getting than that? Um, I don't know. It's as bad as the guys he was. I guess you kind of gotta almost admire him for being able to change things around for the better. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I agree. He's interesting. If, if you want to watch the movie, it's Catch Me If You Can. I think it came out. Early, 2002, I think. Yeah, early 2000s. Uh, Tom Hanks, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, those year. Martin Christopher Sheen. Walken. Martin Sheen. I mean, it's it's, it's a good movie to watch. And you kind of listen to facts Walken. of it and then watch the movie. Yes, there are some things that are you know different. But, I mean, for the most part, the idea is still the same. And... Uh, I just think I thought it'd be fun to kind of cover him. I mean, people probably hadn't seen the movie, probably don't know who he is, but maybe by listening to us and make you want to kind of go watch the movie, kind of um, get the story from that or from, you know, reading something on Google or listening to the podcast or just whatever. But, I mean. Well, he has lived an interesting, interesting life and, and still does. I mean, I, can you imagine being involved with uh, security and fraud and. I know he's uh, done work for the AARP, helping uh, elderly people as far as uh, keeping their security safe. Yeah. Oh, and he mentioned in the podcast, this is this is something I remembered. He said the best way to keep from getting hacked is to throw away debit cards. Yeah. He said don't use debit cards. Use credit cards. He said that is the only way. Spend that, somebody else's money. Well, he, oh, he said it like this. Um if if somebody hacks your account, you're liable because it's your debit card. And most time they freeze your account. You can't use your money. You have to wait till they do the investigation. You have to they have to get all that figured out before you can use your card again. But if it's a credit card, somebody hacks your account, 
guess what? That's not on you. That's on them. That's something they got to figure out because it's not your money. Mm-hmm. So he said that he he don't own a credit a debit card. He said he owns a credit card. He goes through everything with his credit card. And then pays the, his monthly bill on a, yeah. to the credit card. And he said, he said yeah. not only is that, it keeps his credit perfect. He said, that's the way to go. I mean, he's, he's very smart. If you're worried about cybersecurity and stuff like that, you always kind of, he might be a good source for you to kind of refer Dave to. Ramsey said he's a devil. <laughs> <laughs> credit is bad. Uh, credit is the devil, Bobby Boucher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, credit, I've always kind of been taught, you know, don't, don't use a credit card unless you really got to. But, I mean, heck, take it from the guy who conned everybody. I don't. Why would he lie now? You know. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. I mean, and of course, if anybody's gonna be paranoid, it's gonna be the guy who conned everybody else. You know. <laughs> I mean, why? Why wouldn't he be? But um, yeah, it's something interesting. Ho- hopefully, y'all been um, y'all have enjoyed what we've. Uh, All right, guys. Hope we've done it justice. Anyway. I know we kind of jumped around and stuff, and been kind of, kind of murky at times. But you know what? I think it was fun. Mm-hmm. I agree. Is there anything else y'all want to add to this about nope. Frank Abagnale, Abagnale? No. Remember, leave us comments. Tell us if you liked it or not. Tell us to shut up or something. Anything. We just want to hear. Email Let us know if you're out there. Email us at crackhousechronicles at gmail dot com. And and give us some show ideas. I mean, I, I kind of like doing stuff like this because um, there's a lot of movies out there that are based on true events or based on a true story, and probably not even close to being true. And like um, certain movies, uh, Chucky, Chucky, uh, The Strangers. Oh, the movie Chucky is based on a, on a real doll. Oh yeah, uh, and I've I've been fascinated with that. So. Oh yeah, those episodes. I don't watch horror movies. But you know, you've heard of Chucky, though, right? Yeah, I know who Chucky is. Okay, all right. Somebody had a real dog come to life. Is oh, that yeah. what you're telling me? Pretty much. Oh, yeah. okay. All right, but anyway, uh, stay remember, tuned. Crackhouse Chronicles on Instagram. We ain't got but 21 followers, and we're following 40. We need to get the followers up. So that means I probably won't follow you back. No, I will. If you follow me. If you don't follow me, I'll go through and I'll, I'll unfollow you. Go ahead. Go to our Facebook page. Just search uh, Crackhouse Chronicles. Um, leave a like, share, subscribe. Go to YouTube. You can find our podcast on there or wherever you listen to podcasts Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play, anywhere uh, you listen to podcasts. You know, let us know that you're listening. If you listen to it and you like it, give us a thumbs up on Facebook. Uh, if you don't like it, put the thumb up somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. So just yeah, just, just just let us know. Reach out to us. Uh, if you when we share these on our individual pages, uh, feel free to comment there. But also go to the page and comment. Uh, just so that way other people see it. Maybe we'll make them want to listen to it too. If they see that you like it, maybe maybe they know you. They'll be like, oh, maybe I like it too. We I do know here. that if you leave a five star rating, it does move us up. So do that too. We like that. All right, guys. With that being said, we're gonna be out of here. This is The Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.